Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Surpassing Worth podcast. We are glad you're here. It's just Scott for this episode. And in this episode, I want to touch on uh, the way that we read the Old Testament in light of Christ. This was brought to my attention in the way that I, or in reading the book of Hebrews. And I've found that uh, reading the Old Testament can be hard. And I think it's something that plagues many people. So I want to I consider one example from the Old Testament uh, that I think is uh, misused or misinterpreted and has uh, big implications for the way that we read the rest of the Old Testament. Um, I, f- I think that maybe one of the things that we struggle with in the Old Testament is not reading it through the correct lens. If you look at uh, Jesus with the two men on the road to Emmaus, he uh, he tells them as they're they're confused about the things that just happened uh, with Jesus' death, and he speaks to them about uh, the way that he fulfills uh, the things in the law and all the things in the prophets, and he calls them slow to to believe. <laughs> I think he uses the words, oh, foolish ones. Uh, and so when the words, oh, foolish ones are used, uh, that usually causes us, should cause us to perk up and uh, consider what is being said. And I think so often this can be the same uh, the same story for us as we read the Old Testament. So I want to dive into some uh, a verse or a couple verses with the same idea that, as I was growing up, I felt was misinterpreted. And this is just going to be an example. Uh, there are various other places in the Old Testament where you could use as an example, but this is just one example because it's from my own experience my own misinterpretation and uh, a misinterpretation of those around me, I feel. Um, That is, if you go to Ezekiel 22, verse 30, it says, And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. If you go to Isaiah 59, Verse 16, it says, He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. So the way that this got interpreted usually was, uh, I just, I remember it being, being as a teenage boy, um, there were different times, different settings where we were encouraged as young men to, uh, to be the one to stand in the gap. And, uh, you know, it, it was used as ammo uh, for motivation because uh, obviously, you know, you want to motivate young men to, 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 uh, to be better, to stand up, to live a life uh, pleasing to God and beneficial to others. Uh, but... As I've found, I think that this is this is uh, a poor interpretation, a misguided maybe I should say, a misguided interpretation. Because um, if you if you 
just would keep reading in Isaiah 59, you would see that it says this. At the end of verse 16, it says, Then his, and this is uh, when it says his, it's speaking of God, Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. So, if if you would just keep reading in the passage, you would find that God takes matters into his own hands. Uh, he doesn't just let it open to to say, okay, well now I'm motivating you as people to step up. Uh, no, you're you're finding it's saying God's own arm brought him salvation. His righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. So it's like it's like uh, armor, spiritual armor that God is putting on the spiritual armor of Ephesians. Um, and so you find yourself rather than motivating someone or trying to motivate a sinful person to stand in the gap, you find yourself realizing, you know what? I think God is standing in the gap himself. And you, you I think you see this also in Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41, 28 says, But when I look, there is no one. Among these, there is no counselor who, when I ask, gives an answer. So here again, we see a deficiency. We see a lack of someone to uh, stand in this gap. Uh, and, and if you stop right there, you have plenty of ammo to, to motivate someone or a group of people to stand up, to be better, to puff their chest out, but if you just keep reading into chapter 42, you'd see this. You'd see in verse 1, it says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged. Till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. So if you go to the next chapter, I think you'd find yourself saying, Oh, wait, I, I think we found the man. I think we found the person that needs to stand in the gap. And chapter 42 is a description of the servant of the Lord, and that servant is Jesus Christ. Jesus on the road to Emmaus tells these two people who are confused, he says, look, the prophets and Moses, they pointed to me. They pointed to me as the fulfillment of what they wrote. And... I think it's sad. I think it's uh, 
a description or an example of our blindness at times when we read the scripture that that those of us on this side of the cross can look at these passages in Isaiah and Ezekiel and see that it says there's no man there's no man to stand in the gap there's no man to to counsel there's no man to build the wall and then we can look right in the mirror or right at a group of of people and say you need to be that man the bible sees a lack god sees a lack a lacking of of someone to stand in the gap you know what you take it on and i think it's sad that we look right past the man of christ we look right past the cross and we look at ourselves rather than Christ. And so I think, as I've found in my own reading of the Old Testament, that one of the biggest things that gets in the way is I have a self-centered way of reading the Old Testament. I've relegated, there are times that I relegate the Old Testament to just moral tidbits or motivational pieces uh, for myself or for other people. And I go right past uh, Christ. And so this episode, I just simply wanted to touch this, touch on this subject, uh, and hopefully by these passages, just simply uh, open, open ourselves to uh, interpreting Scripture, interpreting specifically the Old Testament, interpreting it through the lenses of how Jesus interpreted the Old Testament, and that was that it pointed to Christ. I'm not going to stand here and pretend to know how all chapters and verses in the Old Testament and the prophets point to Christ. I, I think that's somewhat of a mystery. But I think it's, it's so important for us in our interpretation and our reading of the Old Testament that we have to make every effort to see it through the lens of us being inadequate, but of the complete adequacy of Christ. And in the way that this fleshes out in our life, I think is huge. It has huge implications uh, rather than us um, trying to motivate ourselves or trying to uh, build ourselves up with moral tidbits and uh, motivational speeches, whether be whether that be in the mirror or in front of a group of people, rather than that, I think we find that this this interpretation of Christ being the one to stand in the gap, that leads to humble service, humble walking with him, a recognition of the complete adequacy of Christ, a sufficiency of Christ. It leads to a rest in Christ. You think about the way that interpreting Ezekiel and Isaiah through the lens of myself or ourselves, how that creates within us unrest it really actually creates within us 
uh, unrest and self-centeredness. And as often would happen whenever I heard this, these passages interpreted this way, I would then try to, uh, I would be good for like three, maybe three or four days. And then, man, I'd see the deficiencies within me. I'd cower back into my own, my old shell of a self. And, uh, I just think that, that the way that we interpret the old Testament has massive implications for the way that we live. I, I would just encourage you to not let anyone, including yourself or me or Jordan or anyone else tell you that the way that we interpret scripture has no bearing on the way that we live. And I would just end this episode by speaking to to the men specifically, because I think that these verses specifically get pointed at men. I would just speak to the men and say that there's no stronger man than the one that realizes his own deficiencies, his own inadequacies, but then looks to the one who is completely able to take those inadequacies and to <clears throat> show himself strong in you. The one, the man, there's there's no stronger of a man than the one who lays himself at the foot of Christ, at the foot of Christ's lordship in humble service to him. It's not an appealing way of living. I know that. Our flesh hates that idea. But there is no greater, more fulfilling way of living life than realizing our inadequacy and the complete sufficiency of Jesus Christ. So I hope this was helpful, and uh, we will talk to you uh, later. God bless you.